reminder before we go I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that we have a special first time guest with us with Hannah May Modsell making her official debut this morning. We welcome Hannah May. Congratulate Daddy and Mommy, Max and Amy, and especially Aunt Lori as well. I love to see the Lord blessing this little body. Let's bow our heads and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity you have given to us. I pray, Lord, that as your word is open before us, we have a few moments in the busyness, Lord, of the past week and the anticipation of the week to come. We have here a small window and we pray that you would speak and that we would hear. And through the work of your spirit, we would be drawn closer and closer to you. Father, we pray for those that are going through most difficult time. We pray for the many in Afghanistan. We pray, Lord, for the families of those mourning the loss of loved ones. We pray right now for those that are just in the midst of their own personal struggles. Lord, our hearts right now are alongside of Jay and Linnell. And I pray, Lord, that you would be especially close to them in this hour of need. May they know that they are surrounded and loved and being prayed for. Father, I pray for help. Give me clarity of thought and mind and speech, and may you be glorified. May you be the focus this morning. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Seminary professor, author, and theologian, Dr. Michael Horton reported recently the findings of Pew Research that revealed a rising confusion that exists among evangelicals, quote, they do not know their own faith as well as Jews, Mormons, or even atheists do. Evangelical Christians don't know their faith as well as Jews, Mormons, or even atheists. He reported another recent Gallup poll that says, and I quote, for the first time, attendance at church, and that's any church, a mosque, a synagogue, has fallen below 50% of the adult population for the first time ever in the history of our country. He revealed the rising number of nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S, ones with no faith. The rising number of nuns have come from our churches, from conservative Protestant churches. Quote, they don't know what they believe and they don't know why they believe it. I present a question. How are we to maneuver our way through life? How are we to to live in this ever-changing, I think you would agree, most challenging 
time when there seems to be a basic lack of understanding of what biblical Christianity is. At some level, if we look around us, something's broken. I'm a, I'm a summary statement guy. I'm a Cliff Notes guy. Just, just give me the basics. Boil it all down. What is it I need to know? Reduce everything to what I must have, what we must have. Let me give you a little bit. In Mark chapter 1, there's a scene. It speaks of Jesus' baptism. And it says this. It says that he came out of the water, and immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. We, we have a scene here that is unique from all other scenes. It is an anointing. It is an affirming. It is an announcing. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present. And they're all participating. The Father overseeing, the Son receiving, the Holy Spirit's Authenticating, and from that moment, the world was forever changed. From that moment, what happens? Jesus, it says, is thrust out into the wilderness. It's the first step, first stage of full time ministry for three years. Jesus is what? Teaching and preaching, he is walking and talking. It's summarized. Just a couple verses later, it says that Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of God and saying this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What happened over those next three years? Thousands of people heard. Hundreds of lessons and parables and messages were preached. And yet the final words that Jesus ever spoke by way of a, what is it we need to know? A summary statement of all summary statements to his followers are boiled down to 48 words. Matthew chapter 28, you should know these. We teach our children to memorize these words. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's called what? It's the Great Commission. And we can hear that, we can step back and say, there's like a thousand, there's multiple questions, many questions. The first one is like, who, like, who does this? Who's responsible? Does anyone in earshot do, do all followers or just some followers of Jesus? I think what helps us answer that question is to know. Think of the audience that is before us right now. Lord willing, you have been visibly recognized as one of his followers. You've acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner in need of a savior. and You've accepted Jesus 
as your Savior and you desire to live in full obedience, he is Lord of your life, then you have what? Publicly been recognized through baptism. The first step of obedience. You've been baptized what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're identifying with Jesus. Therefore, what do you do? If you've been baptized, you join the exact same work that Jesus did after his baptism. You wear his name in everything you do. Everything you do speaks of him. Who, who, who is to, to, to do this? Every single time that we gather to remember the Lord's table, we are to what? It says it is very specific. We take time to do this. We examine ourselves so that we remember the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are all declaring in those moments that we are part of one body. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, we are to be on the same mission. Not different missions, but one mission, the same mission. Thankfully, we have the local church. We have one another. We are not alone. The entire summer we've been focusing on what? The togetherness of the local church. Therefore, we have one another to help hold us accountable. Are you making disciples? Who are you pouring into? We have one another to help us. What? In that line between what? In accountability to keep us holy and to mark those things that are unholy in our own lives. Which means what? At some level, this command has to include all of us so that together what we strive to make disciples, we are building up one another, we are living out the gospel in word and deed among one another, among fellow believers, but also in the midst of an unbelieving world. Who does this? Who's supposed to do this? Another question I, I had was, are we doing this? If, if we are to what? I am a strong believer. We have to regularly what? The, the AAR, the after action review. Three sustain and three improve. We have to always examine. We have to pivot to examine. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? As a body of believers, we have made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, Right? We have made a covenant with one another. We look forward to receiving new members into that covenant in just a couple weeks. So that for the sake of the kingdom of God and the community that we've been called to live in and to love for gospel impact. The question is what? How are we doing in that? In living out in full obedience. The words of Jesus' very last command. Go! Make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. At some level, we know a disciple is one, it's a follower, it's a student, an apprentice. Therefore, it seems impossible to be a disciple, a follower of someone, and not end up like that person. And yet, what's interesting is a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they don't look a lot like, and they certainly don't sound a lot like Christ. Many people are more concerned about pushing their own belief system or their own agenda than they are about the one mission of the gospel. Something that at some level is 
is broken. It appears, it appears if we look at society as a whole, the church of Jesus Christ has lost sight of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple. So this week, we're just going to spend a few minutes, and, and next week, before we get back to Romans, we at some, some level just return to the basics and, 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 and ask, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, are we following? Are we living obedience? What I want to remind everyone is that it is not beyond you, okay? Let, let, me, let me make a very clear statement. You, if you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have been made for this. Can I say that? You've been designed, you've been fashioned for this task. You ever watch a swimmer, like a swimmer, swim? It's beautiful. Not just like anyone swim, but a swimmer. You know the difference? You ever watch a runner run? Not just like you're, you're like heading to the to, to the, the, the pie contest. Not that type of running. Like someone where it's just grace and movement. Do you ever watch a dancer dance? And there's what? There is just beautiful movement and motion. It's coordinated and it's graceful. You ever seen someone dance who's not a dancer? My son-in-law, Danny, family, get-togethers, uh, weddings. He says, I don't, I don't dance, I flail. That's a really good, good description. And, and when you see someone who, what, they're not really a dancer, but we know that it's just, that's just not pleasant to look at. Someone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, let me tell you this, has been made, has been designed to follow. Yet, when someone who has been called to follow Jesus, they have been designed and fashioned to follow, but instead they're following the world, let me tell you this, it's not very pretty. It's ugly. There's a lot of flailing. That is going on. Why is that? What, why does it appear like many are not doing what God has designed for them to do? Why is it that it appears like there's many people who are content to call themselves a follower of Jesus, but they're not following? Why is it that we have people that say, okay, we're to go and make disciples, but we're actually not making disciples? Why is that? Another question that comes to my mind is this. How do we do it? Let's just, let's just boil it all down to the basics. I think you would agree with me. I think it's pretty clear that whatever we touch, we smudge. We leave our grimy little fingerprints. And we smear things all over. And the church of Jesus, even with good intention, I think the church of Jesus Christ can confuse that which is not very confusing. I, I think that's what has happened. When it comes to this most 
important subjects. How do we do this? And we have scripts to follow and books and blanks to fill in. And we're totally, totally, totally losing the next generation. How do we do this? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ walked up to a handful of men and said, follow me. Now, I want you to see this yourself. Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. Verse 18. I think I said Mark chapter 4. It's Matthew chapter 4. Forgive me. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their dad, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father. And followed him. These guys have jobs. They have families. They have responsibilities. Okay, they have a home. They have hobbies. I think, I think it was totally impossible for them to know exactly what they were following or who they're following and what they were going to do when they left their nets and they followed. Like, they didn't know all of the details here. Jesus says, follow, and what? They dropped their nets, and they followed. They didn't know, but they just obeyed. And they literally, literally, that's exactly what they do. Which means that when Jesus walked in, they were just, just right behind him. He would stop, boom, he, they'd bump right into him. They literally followed him around. They listened when he preached. And they watched him. The way you watch people all the time. And they watched him when, when Jesus would reach out and touch and heal. They were amazed by this. They witnessed, they watched firsthand the tears of compassion that ran down Jesus' cheek. They watched the passion and the power you know, as they followed Jesus, they began to learn to love people. Smelly people, annoying people. They began to love people the way that Jesus loved people. And they began to pursue relationships with people. And they began to pursue holiness. And, and they began to talk like he talked. And they used the same words that Jesus used. And they began to serve like Jesus served. And they began to care for others. The way that Jesus cared for others. They learned the importance of speaking the truth, even if it what? It's going to rattle. They, they knew they had to speak the truth, just like Jesus had spoken the truth to them. And they were right there. And he was arrested. A lot of them terrified, bullet. A couple hung around. But they knew, they knew firsthand, and they witnessed 
They heard about the suffering and the beating and the death. And they heard about the fact that he had what? He had been buried, but then they got word that he rose from the dead. And, and they rushed, they ran, and they saw him after he rose. And what? The very last thing that Jesus told them, I want you to go, I want you to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And as he ascended, we know the Holy Spirit descended. And that is exactly what they did. And you know what? In just a few short years, in a very brief period of time, they're standing before the most powerful rulers of the day. And they are accused in Acts chapter 17 of what? Of rocking the entire world. Of turning the entire world upside down. These are what? These are the apostles. These are the disciples. They're told to make disciples, and that's exactly what they did. Do you realize this? The Holy Spirit has descended and has enabled you, empowered you, and equipped you. You are made to do exactly the same thing. And yet, for some reason, what we have touched, we've smudged and smeared, and we've made something complicated when it's not supposed to be that complicated. Let's start, let's start today where Jesus started. I was telling someone just this past week, the beautiful, beautiful part of the gospel of Jesus is it always is from this moment forward. We don't have to worry about the screw-ups and the mistakes we've made in the past. Let's today start where Jesus started. Remember, remember, remember he's walking along the Sea of Galilee? And it says the message that he was proclaiming before he got to Peter and Andrew and James and John, before he got to the boys, before he says, follow me, it says in Matthew chapter 4, what? A couple verses earlier in verse 17, he says what? He's going everywhere and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's exactly the same thing, the message again. Mark chapter 1, it says that he came proclaiming the gospel, saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. There's two things that are immediately present here that we have to hold on to and lean into as we do what God has created and designed for us to do. Before you follow Christ, the message must be, it must begin, repent. It has the idea of changing direction or turning around, turning from, heading the opposite direction of what you used to be doing. It involves at some level action. And in this particular context, Jesus was telling people to prepare themselves to change whatever they needed to change to turn from their sin to commit to follow him. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is creeping closer and closer and closer. Which means it's a time issue. There's a sense of urgency here. Turn because... What's the kingdom of God? Like, what is this talking about? A kingdom is what? Is, is simply the territory by which the king reigns. A king reigns. A kingdom, pretty easy here. Root word, a king is the one who calls the shots. 
But we know, wait a minute, if God is the creator of all things, the kingdom is wherever God reigns. We know that God reigns everywhere at all times. It must mean the kingdom of heaven is everywhere at all times. Why would he say it's about to come? Why is there this sense of urgency? Obviously, he's pressing here. He meant what? To communicate something. There's more to the kingdom or the concept of the kingdom of God than just what? Everything at all times, everywhere. At the heart of this idea is what is God's messianic kingdom. It's the kingdom, what? That will be ruled by God's appointed Messiah who will not just be the redeemer of all of his people, but what? The king over his people. And that's very important. Why is that? The king calls the shots. The subjects don't. The king is in charge. The king reigns and rules, which means everything in his kingdom does what the king calls him to do or her to do. And when the king says, you go, I, I got an appointment at 3.30 tomorrow, I can't go. Wait, wait. No, as you go to your appointment at 3.30, you go. And what does it say? It says you make disciples. The king calls the shots, baptizing them, bring them in. Teaching them to obey all, not just what you want, to obey all that God has commanded. That is what? For anyone who belongs to the kingdom of God. That's what we are to be doing. That's what followers of Jesus do. Followers follow. Don't complicate it. We don't need to. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I love the boldness of the Apostle Paul later on who says what in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Follow me as I, what? Follow Christ. Follow me. Imitate me. How many people would be so bold? Dads that are here today, how many of you would be so bold? Son, I want you to talk exactly how I talk. Use the same verbiage, same tone. You respect a woman. The way I do. How many dads would say, son, I want you to follow me. Little daughter, I love you. Sweetie, you follow me. You talk and you walk exactly like I do. Well, that's pretty presumptuous. No, that's what you're called to do. That's what your role is. We are under the kingdom of God. We're under his rule. And for some reason, I'm never going to perfectly make it. So nobody get too close to me. I'm just struggling through my own little world. Yes, you are. But guess what? You have the Spirit of God that indwells you, empowers you to give you the words that you don't even know what to say right now. You have the Word of God, and yet, sadly, more people spend more time in social media on the silliness of their own phone, pushing some little personal agenda than they are about, what? Teaching people to obey everything that I have commanded. If we were doing this, we would have no time for anything else. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying what? Make disciples at your place of employment, at your work. Followers, follow. 
Remember the, remember the scene we started with? Jesus coming out of the water. Remember we started there this morning, Mark chapter 1. Jesus' baptism, and I just love this. Sky was torn open. I have no idea what that means. Like the sky was torn open. Spirit descending in the form of a dove, and a thundering voice comes from heaven. And what does that vo voice say? With, with you, I am well pleased. The, the Father, the Heavenly Father, is affirming the work of His Son. Do, do you know that there is another moment that we are to strive for? You know that there is another moment for you and I to, to live for? It's very similar in Jesus' parable of the talents. The Lord tells two of His faithful servants who were given a little bit, and God what? Allowed them to increase their master's wealth. And the master returns from a long absence. He rewards both of his faithful servants by simply saying what? Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Pretty similar to what God the Father tells his own son, in you I am well pleased. You, you realize that's what we are to live for? Every Christian, every one of you should long to hear those exact words from Jesus' lips. Well done, good and faithful servant. My, my heart's cry is that we together as a church would learn what it means to follow Jesus. My prayer is that if we claim to follow Jesus, we would know that God is calling every single one of us to be making disciples. Rather than like, yeah, I don't know what to do. No, no, no. We want to come alongside of you and help you do that. There's many people that are like, well, I, I, can't, I can't make disciples because I've not been discipled. I tell you what, then today, you, you, you scribble on a little piece of card in front of you. It's called a pen, okay? And scribble and say, I want to learn how to make disciples. That's all you have to say. Write your name on it. Call. Email the office. Grab anyone and say, hey, excuse me, I, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not really sure how to go about doing this. We want to come alongside you, not guilt trip you like there's just one more thing we're not. No, no, no. But we touch, we smudge, and there's legitimately confused people. On, I don't, I've not been discipled. I need to be so I can disciple. I want you to understand and encourage you to ask, to call, to pray. Acts chapter 1, we close with this, and it simply says what? This is the promise that we have before us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Go, go to all the nations. And we are promised the presence and the power of God in the Spirit himself to do just that. May we understand the basics of what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, follow. Disciples make disciples. Are you doing that? Father, we love you. We thank you for your patience and grace with us. 
I would pray, Lord, that we would be known and characterized as a disciple-making church, that each one of us would be obedient to the command and calling and mandate and mission that you've given. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.